Good morning. Whoa. Yeah, sorry about that. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, good to have you in worship today. Uh, if you would get your bulletins out, we've got some announcements before we get started. And if you are a guest, there's a tear-off portion. Just fill out that blue side, put it in the offering plate as it goes by, and we'll follow up with you about opportunities at Mechanicsville Baptist Church, anything you'd like to know. And then on the other side, the decision information side, the yellow page, if you have a prayer request, just put it on the bottom, put it in the offering plate as well, and we'll pray with, uh, for those requests on Tuesdays in our staff time. On the back of your bulletin are opportunities for the week. I want to make mention of a few of these. Uh, encounter service is tonight at 5. We have youth ensemble at 6, handbells at 7. Youth and ensemble are separate, not, not youth ensemble. Uh, handbells at 7. And then uh, Wednesday are our second week of Connect Groups, Awana Youth, Midweek Bible Study, and all those things. So if you were not able to be here for the first week of Connect Groups or Awana or anything like that, please come on out. We'll get you worked in for some great studies and great programs being offered. Uh, also make mention Sundays at 8.30 a.m. are... Uh, the, is the time for M&M's, which is RSGA's Mission Friends and Choirs, and I think Leslie's going to share more about that in a second. Um, and then in your bulletin is an insert, and this is, uh, tomorrow starts the week of prayer for the Alma Hunt offering for Virginia Missions. So each day there is uh, something for you to pray for, to read about and pray and lift up in your prayer time each day. And then we wanted to also make mention that this offering goes towards uh, disaster relief as well. So some of the money will go towards helping those who are affected by uh, Hurricane Florence. And so keep that in your prayers as we uh, give towards Virginia missions and the good work that they do uh, in our state. So please uh, be faithful. Our goal is $1,167. One million is, is the full final goal. I don't know. Would another church have a goal? We usually have a goal. Do you know what it is? We have a goal that's very, very difficult to reach, so you want to give as much as you can to reach that goal. Yes. Be faithful to God as he calls you to give to that. Thank you. Um, and I think that's all I have. Any other announcements that you can think of? All right. So you want to come and share afterwards? All right. This is you. Yeah, she's going to share afterwards. You go. Me, I guess, is it. Well, good morning. Aren't you glad that Florence decided not to come to Virginia? I want to hear a big amen. amen. Aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Ready? Go. Amen. amen. Okay. As we open with Shine, Jesus, Shine, I hope a lot of you've kind of got it in your memories by now, but if you need your hymnal, it's 491, but remember... We only do in the chorus, which is across from page 491. So we're going to stand up and meet and greet. I see some visitors, I think. So make sure not only do you hug and, I can't say hug and mug anymore. Make sure you greet your friends as well as visitors. And as you come back and sing, Shine, Jesus, Shine, I have a favor. I want you to sing it with a fervent prayer in your heart that God will truly allow Jesus to shine on you and that our hearts will be open as the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts so we can tell the community about this wonderful Lord and Savior that we have. All right, you got it? All right, so stand up, greet, meet, and we'll come back and sing in a little bit.
seated. And let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful people to be gathered together as your church to uh, glorify your name, Lord Jesus, to um, reflect all that you have done in our hearts. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you that we can shine our light for you in a world that needs to know and to see your love. God, we give you this service. We pray your Holy Spirit would dwell and uh, that we would be uh, changed as we come into your presence, as we learn from your word, and as you guide and direct each and every moment. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So this morning, we had our first M&M time, M&M, missions, and music. We had 11 boys and girls, so we were excited to start off with that. So basically what we're doing at 8.30 during the first service time is we're having our mission time from 8.30 to 9, and that includes mission friends, RAs, and GAs. But we do have a little problem, and that problem is that we do not have any GA leaders. And let's say we join the two together. Would that would be great, but that would be two men who are leading with some ladies, and that's not good. You'll have to have a lady in there with the two men. So we need your help. Because we certainly don't want to have to not have our mission time with our children, because we know it's important to teach them about missions so that when they get to be, those of us who've been here a long time in the Baptist church, when they get to talk about Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon and, and giving, that they'll understand it. And that's why we need that mission time to teach them that. So we are in need of help. Um, at 9 o'clock, that's the music time, and that's when we are having time to teach them about music. And we just don't sing songs. We actually teach them music so they can learn a little bit about notes and instruments and rhythm. And that's important, too, because one day these young folks are going to be our future choirs. And if they don't have that foundation, then what's going to happen later? So we are reaching out to you because we need you. We need you to sign up and to help. And even if you can't commit to every week, even if you can say, hey, I'll do the month of November, I'll do the month of December, I'll, I can come this week to help you out, whatever you can do would be much appreciated. So if you want to help out on the mission end of it, then you can talk to Sandra. Right, Sandra? Raise your hand, Sandra. And if you want to help on the music end of it, you can talk to Lisa, you can talk to me. So we definitely need your help, and hopefully you'll prayerfully consider that. Okay, enough of that. Are we ready to praise God and sing praises? Amen. All righty, so take a look at your bulletin. We're going to do two songs back-to-back. -back. We're going to do hymn 363, Let Others See Jesus in You, and we'll be singing verses 1, 2, and 4. And then followed behind that, we'll be doing I Am Resolved on page 378, verses 2 and 5. So kind of have your pages ready. And let's stand and let's joyfully sing. I'm 
turn in the back of your hymnals to page 862 for our responsive reading. We're going to do number 30 on page 862, To Live is Christ. I will do the lighter portion, and you'll read together the darker portion. Page 862, To Live is Christ. But thanks be to God, who always puts us on display in Christ and spreads through us in every place the scent of knowing him. For to God, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but, now, but that now as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, working side by side for the faith of the gospel. Again, I ask that you reach for your hymnals, and we're turning to page 392. We are marching to Zion. Please stand.
standing for offertory prayer. Let us go to God in prayer, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, you're such a loving God and a forgiving God. We just ask you to continue to forgive us for our shortcomings, and may we show our blessings and acknowledgement of all the blessings you have given us by giving back through our tithing and giving. Bless the tithe, the giving, and the giver as we give back to your storehouse. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence lord holy spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the
Enter. Okay, let's try the third time then. As we enter our time of prayer, let's be in prayer for those who are in the path of Florence um, as it continues its journey across or trek across North Carolina and into southwest Virginia. Um, I did hear from Ryan Clore. Many of you know Ryan, who was our youth uh, minister. He lives in Whiteville, which is not too far outside of Wilmington, and they were hit pretty hard with those rain bands up through there. Ryan evacuated with his family to Fredericksburg to be with his in-laws, so he was not there, uh, and which was probably a good idea because he would have had to uh, gotten out anyway. And Al Thompson, who is a good friend of mine, is pastor of the First Baptist Church of Wallace, North Carolina, which was also in the path uh, of Florence. And Al is a uh, native of Mechanicsville. Uh, he grew up here, but we went to school together. And uh, Al said he stayed at his house as long as he could, and then he had to evacuate because they couldn't figure out what the rising water was going to do uh, on the streets and so forth in their neighborhood. So please pray for these people and pray for all of those who are affected, those who have already lost their lives. Uh, I appreciate, and I said this on Wednesday to our Wednesday morning group, um, Andrew Frieden on Channel 12 said, uh, once we were able to switch from survival mode, we need to switch to help mode. And I thought that was a good way to say that. Already on the ground, it's Virginia Baptist Disaster Relief. They sent um, meals down, and the feeding units are already in Washington, North Carolina. So we can pray for those who are down there. Uh, because I did see from uh, Whiteville, uh, where Ryan was, I see the updates that come from there. The people in Whiteville that work the emergency management center uh, were out of food. And they were looking for a restaurant or something that could provide meals for them because there's 350 people that need to be fed. Uh, just there. So uh, it is quite catastrophic and we do need to remember uh, these people and do what we can do to help. Uh, as the week goes on, I know there will be other ways for us to contribute and give and I will keep you aware of those if we send out a message uh, uh, through email or any way we can get it out. We'll get it out to you, let you know what, what they're needing and what maybe we can do to help on this end. And also last week uh, we commemorated the 17th anniversary of uh, the 9-11 tragedy and we had many people who worked disaster relief during that period of time. Are there any people here that worked that? Would you stand and be recognized at this time? Uh, disaster relief going to New York. Yes, there are some here and we appreciate their service. <clears throat> Jim Cherry, who has been so faithful to our first service, has not been able to attend church because of illness. Jim also went, didn't he? And um, that's what I thought. And he usually was my one in the first service that would stand. So I missed him today uh, when we uh, recognized those who were a part of that. So just wanted to make you um, aware of that. And that goes along with our sermon series as we deal with opportunities today as well. So let's bow for prayer. Gracious Lord, as we bow in your presence on a day that you have given to us, we are grateful for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. We know, Father, that there are many, many people just south of us who are suffering greatly because of the Hurricane Florence. We pray, Father, that we might be your instruments to help them in some way. We pray, Father, that uh, we might minister on behalf of Jesus. To those who are dealing untold tragedy. For those who have lost loved ones. For those who have lost their homes and their belongings. We pray that in some way, Father, they might find peace in you. And maybe we can be instruments of that peace. We're grateful, Father, that as we come to your house, we can pray. And know that prayer makes a difference. And so we look to you and claim the promises that you make to us as we pray. We're thankful, Father, for this church and for the ministries and work of this place, for the opportunity to be ambassadors for Christ on the mission field through those who serve. We pray your blessings upon them and their work. 
We're grateful, Father, that as we come together in this place on this day, that you are here. We pray for healing for those who are sick. We pray for comfort for those who are grieving. We pray, Father, for those who need to know you. We pray, Father, that something might be said or done that can make a difference and allow your spirit to open their hearts and their minds to you. The power of the word, Father, is transforming. We give thanks for it. And as we open your word today, Father, we ask for discernment and understanding. Challenge our hearts and our minds. In the name of Jesus, amen.
as we continue our look at the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats to the church, and think about our vision for the future, we return to Ephesians this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, and pick up with verse 7 and read through verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 4. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But by speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The right time to do the right thing is always right now. It has been reported that George Washington, if he were alive today, would owe a huge library fine. New York City's oldest library has a ledger that indicates George Washington never returned two books he borrowed in 1789. We can imagine trying to pay off 220 years of overdue fees. Some have estimated that Adjusting for inflation, the fines would exceed $300,000. Naturally, the library is not expecting George to pay the fines. But the staff wouldn't mind getting the books back. We may never know why the president never returned the books. Think about our responsibilities. If we fail to do what needs to be done, we may pay a heavy price. As we continue our series on strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats to the church, we visit again the book of Ephesians. As we take a look at the opportunities we have in the church. Paul sets out for us the importance of Christ's goal for the church. The total impression of this passage from Ephesians is that Christ has a goal a supreme standard for his church, and that goal is so high, so exalted, that it taxes the imagination to comprehend it. Nonetheless, here and now, in the body of this flesh, we are to strive to attain it. Specifically, this passage leaves three impressions on the mind and heart. First, Christ has given us the grace whereby we may reach the goal. Second, the means of growth for reaching the goal are at hand and attainable. And third, we must not stop nor be satisfied short of the goal, no matter how high the standard, nor how great the difficulties in the way. What Paul has here in mind is the part which all Christians are to play in the life and body of Christ. And Paul stresses that these are opportunities of service. There are no exceptions, for all in the church are the members of the body and as such endowed with some gift by grace. It is the ascended Lord who has bestowed these gifts by first sending his gift par excellence, namely the Holy Spirit, to dwell within us and to lead us in the way we are to go. So let's take a look at these three impressions from Ephesians. First, the grace for reaching the goal Christ has for his church. 
we must never take our eyes away from the grace of God. We are always to remember that we are not Christians because we deserve to be. We have not been brought out of death into life because of any merit of our own. The whole Christian transaction whereby we cease to live unto sin and begin to live unto God is all of grace. God's grace. And we will live frustrated lives if we think there is any other way to attain what Paul is speaking of in Ephesians. If we are to seize the opportunities before us, we must first recognize that all of these opportunities come as a result of us submitting to God's grace in our lives. If we attempt to work for what Paul is suggesting here, we will always be frustrated and we will never attain. Grace is essential to our understanding. Two things strike us about this grace, this free gift of Christ toward those who are His own. First, there is its impartiality. Look at verse 7. But unto each one of us was the grace given, not to just a few out of the church, not just to the pastor or the leaders, but unto each one of us, although according to the measure of the gift of Christ. The capacity of one member might exceed that of another. No member of his church is left, though, completely dispossessed. His gifts are measured not by any favoritism on God's part, for his love is everywhere and toward all the same. God's grace is impartial. God's grace provides opportunities of service for all who would use the gifts God has given us for his service. Paul said in another place to the Romans that God is no respecter of persons. God's grace is doled out equally among all those who would receive it. We all have a responsibility to seize the opportunities that are afforded to us by the grace of God. But second, there is the individuality of this as well. In verse 11, God's gifts are specifically fitted to the capacity of each individual to receive them. It follows, therefore, that each person in the church has a task cut out for that person according to the measure of the gift of Christ in equipping him or her to do that task. And Paul says, and he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And this is not a complete list because God has a plan for all of us. And if we're not walking into that plan, we are missing out on the opportunities that are available to us in his church. Opportunities present themselves in places that sometimes seem aloof to us. Opportunities come at times that may not be convenient for us. And yet by God's grace we are to seize on these opportunities. Paul makes it plain that the bestowal of Christ's gifts of the ministry has a specific purpose in view. This is that all God's people may be equipped by the functions which his servants perform in order that they in turn may discharge their service as Christians in the world. If we are not using our individual God-given gifts, the church will suffer and miss out on opportunities to serve. The problem is we sit back and fail to recognize the gifts that God has bestowed upon us by His grace because we always feel as though I'm not good enough or I am unworthy. If we wait to be worthy or good enough, God can never use us. Look at the people in the scripture who God used, who told him, I'm not worthy to be used. Those who ran from God, they said they weren't worthy to be used. And only when they submitted to God did they see the opportunities that were before them. Joseph, when he confronted his brothers, remember what he said to them? What you did to me? You did for evil, but God took your evil and turned it to good. And many people were saved. Joseph recognized that because he understood that God's grace was at work even in the midst of what appeared to be evil. That Christ's churches are not challenging our sin-sodden society and moving this needy world toward God is not God's fault. 
He has given his people the grace to move toward the goal of the measure of the stature of Christ. God has given us what we need. Our problem is we ignore it, we don't see it, or we say we can't accept it. And then opportunities pass us by. The second thing we see as we observe this passage of Scripture is growth toward the goal Christ has for His church. Paul says in this passage that we may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, even Christ. Verse 15. Paul calls some in the church at Corinth who had not grown babes in Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. He was saying to them, you haven't grown a bit as Christians since the day you were converted. You are baby Christians, holy and mature, and you will never be able to understand what God has in store for you, His people, until you grow. How many Christian How may Christian growth be attained? What are the means? Paul gives several suggestions. First, we grow by stability of Christian convictions. Verse 14. In typical fashion, Paul mixes his metaphors here using first the unstable nature of the child and then an unanchored ship driven about in a turbulent sea to describe their stability. Instability of Christian convictions is one sure sign of immaturity of Christian character, while stability is a sure means of growth. There is such a thing as Christian certitude as the rock of ages for our feet as a standard in religion, God's word, as an anchor and stay for our faith. Apart from certainty of faith and stability of convictions, we don't grow very much. And that's why we come together in the church. That is important in the church, that we grow as we grow with one another. We sort of raise one another up, if you will, as we challenge one another by the word and as we submit one another to the word. It's essential that we understand that we can never be what God would have for us in Christ if we don't bring ourselves together to learn and to grow. It's more than just sitting back. And allowing the word to wash over over us. We are to become involved with one another. Instability of Christian convictions is one sure sign of immaturity of Christian character. That's why we train the children. That's why Leslie made an appeal a while ago for the children. It's because they don't know and they can't grow if we don't show. I just made that up. Don't you like it? Our opportunity is in our children. We must help them to grow. We grow by sincerity of Christian love, verse 15. But speaking truth in love. The marginal reading says, but dealing truly in love. The problem is, as we look at this verse, we do not have a verb for truth in English while the Greek does. Literally, Paul says, but truthing in love. So we made a verb, truthing in love. The importance of his words is that our manner of life is to be sincere and true, thinking truly, speaking truly, dealing truly, and all in a spirit of genuine love without diversions to divide our allegiance, without hypocrisy to deny our witness, without divisions to hinder our purpose in Him. Truthing in love, love for Christ, for one another, for those who are lost. John said in his gospel, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That is pregnant with meaning. Truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free to do the things of Christ. If we know the truth and the truth is on our side, we march forward for Christ. The truth comes to us in Jesus Christ. We grow also by the solidarity of the Christian community. Verse 15 and 16. 
Again, Paul uses the figure of the human body, from whom all the body, fitly framed and knit together through that which every joint supplies. All the members of the church are knit and joined together. Every member is joined to every other member. What is for the good of one is for the good of all, and what causes the hurt for one is for the injury of all. Where there is no solidarity of purpose and unity of spirit in the church, there can be no growth. Opportunities will be missed. We must be united. You know exactly what Paul is speaking of here. When something is a muck in your body, it changes the way you look at everything, doesn't it? It changes your attitude. If you have a splinter in your finger and you leave it long enough, it will throb at night, won't it? And you'll feel it. And that's what will be on your mind. When I hurt my arm, in November of last year, I didn't realize how severe it was hurt until after I came home and like, you know, read on the internet. Then I went to the doctor. And the doctor said, well, we're going to do an MRI. And then by the next Monday, I was having surgery on my arm. Because the thing that she said to me, even though my arm worked and everything seemed to be okay, she said, you will lose 50% of your arm strength if we don't fix this ligament. 50%. And I said, well, we got to fix it then, don't we? So she fixed it. And now it's fine. Well, you see, that one ligament would have weak, being torn would have weakened me for the rest of my life. Now, what is Paul saying to the church here? If we are not united, if we are not together, then we will lose strength. We will never be able to seize the opportunities that are around us because we will be so disjointed among ourselves that we'll always look inward and never look outward. And you know, you know exactly what I'm saying. If you have a terrible headache, if you're sitting here this morning with a terrible headache, and I hope you're not, but if you are, that's probably all that's on your mind. Oh, I wish he'd finished. My head hurts so bad. I want to go home. That's all you can think about. That's disunity in the body, isn't it? Then the third thing, the greatness of the goal Christ has for his church. How great and how high is Christ's goal for his church? Listen how Paul takes us step by step to the top. After naming the gifts that Christ through grace gives to individuals in the church, in verse 11, he tells us why. First, in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. The word translated perfecting means mending. The same word that is used where we are told of fishermen mending their nets. Where members of the church may be quick-tempered, gossips, busybodies, and empty-headed. Paul calls us to mend these things. To mend them. Why? Unto the work of ministering unto the building up of the body of Christ. This is to the end that Christ may have a fit and usable instrument through which he can nurture his saints, grow his children, and save the lost. These are the opportunities of the church. We have a responsibility to do all of these things to build up the body of Christ. That's why we offer the things we offer. So that you have numerous opportunities. No one probably can go to all of the things that are offered. But that's why many things are offered. So that you can have the opportunity to grow and learn and be edified and lifted up. He goes on till we all attain in verse 13. Christ's ideal for his church is not for just a few choice souls who excel, not for just a few who reach the top, but for every member of his church, all of his own. The work of the ministers who are Christ's gifts to the church has this end in view, namely that the church will be built up until it, its final state is reached. And the master theme is growth. But every member has to be a part of that. We can never know what God can do in Mechanicsville Baptist Church until every member is on the same page with Christ. But Paul moves higher yet. He says, 
till we all attain unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a full-grown man. Verse 13, Paul is saying, till we all attain to his standard of unity and maturity, full-grown and united, no difference of opinion in the Lord, no divergences of conviction, no divisions of spirit. We say, surely that is the top. We could come to no nearer to perfection than that, but he isn't finished. The goal is one step higher. Listen to the grand and soaring height of the goal unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Humans can come no nearer God's likeness than that. Thinking like Christ is in our, our minds. Loving like Christ in our hearts. Resembling Christ in our lives. Giving ourselves to the purposes of God as He gave Himself. Reminding people of God because we are fashioned in the likeness of the Son. Becoming Christ-like. And I would say that there is no one in this room that has attained that status. It's something we work toward our entire walk with Christ. To the fullness of the stature of Christ. Being like Christ. Using Him as our evaluation tool, if you will. Where are you in your relationship to Christ? Christ gave His all so that people could be saved. Do you see the point of this great passage? Paul lays tremendous emphasis on the church, the body of believers, not on its size, but on its soul quality. He had a burning desire to win souls, but he believed with all his heart that exalted Christian character within the church was the surest means of doing this. The people of God at work for God united. An athlete who desires to be effective on game day must first be properly trained. He must spend many hours keeping himself in shape and developing his skills to a higher degree. If he does not, he will not be able to accomplish all that he wishes when it's time to play the game. And Christians who desire to be effective in the work of ministry must also realize that the public moment of any effective ministry is always preceded by many hours of careful preparation. Effective ministry will never be done by a weak and unhealthy church whose members neglect regular participation and sacrificial service. God has a name. And He wants us to proclaim that name. The misery on the earth is nameless. The evil among us is nameless. For the powers of darkness love to be without a name. Nameless, anonymous letters, letters without signatures are usually vulgar. But God is no writer of anonymous letters. God puts his name on everything that he does, affects and says. God has no need to fear the light of day. And this comes home to us and we cannot avoid it. We emphasize quantity so many times but not quality. We glory in reports, but we do not demand repentance. We have width and breadth, but neither height nor depth. Our churches grow in size, but do our members grow spiritually? It is useless to add members who do not grow in Christ. We are cursed with a low ideal. We are plagued with an unworthy contentment. We are satisfied far short of the goal. But let us pray over this passage until a blaze is kindled in our hearts and we truly recognize the power of verse 7 when we read but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift grace empowers us to see the opportunities around us in service grace gives us the strength to grow in Christ Grace imparted to a world that is in need of a Savior can make all the difference. But we can't do the job if we're not united under that banner of grace. It's easy to find things wrong. It's not hard to look in an imperfect world to see things that aren't right. 
We know that. Janet said as we left the house this morning, we have some of the prettiest crabgrass in the neighborhood. It's green, isn't it? Real pretty and green right now after all this rain. But you see the flip side of that? It's not right. There's still something wrong with it. God has given us grace. We would be wise to use it. Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful for these words from your Apostle Paul. He has shown us very clearly that there are opportunities all around, but we will miss those opportunities if we miss our relationship with you. We are empowered by your grace and your spirit. May we impart the name of Jesus here and everywhere as we look for opportunities. In the name of Jesus, amen. Take the name of Jesus with you is our hymn of invitation, number 313. The name of Jesus is transforming. The name of Jesus is what we're seeking to attain in our lives. The invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ, to anyone who would accept Him as Savior, to anyone who would unite with this fellowship as we stand and sing hymn number 313. It's always a joy to be together in the house of the Lord, praising his name and worshiping together and listening for a word from him as we open his word. Thank you for being here and a part of this service today. Don't forget about the encounter service 
uh, tonight at 5. And uh, also, what Leslie mentioned earlier, and then I reiterated in my sermon, we are looking for people to help us with uh, RAs and GAs. And I hope you will consider, as she said, you don't have to commit to the entire year, but a month, a couple of weeks a month, or whatever you might be able to help. But it was wonderful to see the children running out of the first service this morning to go and be a part of missions and also of the music uh, as they were able to uh, meet this morning. So I trust that you'll pray about that and challenge one another to uh, see if you could help with that. You won't miss anything if you come to the second service for sure. It just means you have to get up earlier and get here. But you can do that one day a week. It won't be that hard. You can go by and look at my pretty crabgrass on your way and be inspired. Thank you again, though, for being a part of this service today. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we leave here today, we do so recognizing that your grace gives us power. But if we choose not to use that power, Father, lives are affected in negative ways. So help us, Father, to leave here recognizing that your love has shown us your grace and your grace has empowered us in the world. Bless us, Father. Keep us ever mindful that we are yours and we are called to serve. In the name of Jesus, amen.